This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. I want to share on what I've titled Divine Intelligence Part 2, but I want to focus on wisdom for reigning. Revelations 5 and verse 6, the Bible says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having five horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Verse 9, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. They were talking about Jesus. Verse 10 is where I want us to focus on. The Bible says, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And has made us kings and priests unto our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Meaning that when Jesus Christ came, died, resurrected, and we became born again, one of the things that happened was that our identity changed in the realm of the Spirit. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become a different man. You know, the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There is a change of status. There is a change of identity. Now, the Bible tells us very specifically in Revelations 5.10 that one of the things that happened to us that was that we became royalty. We became kings and priests. Praise the Lord. We became kings and priests. You know, the Bible says in Revelations 19 verse 16, talking about Jesus, describing Jesus, the Bible talks about him and says on his robe that was around his tie, was written king of kings and lord of lords. You see, the kings that was being spoken about here are you and me. So he's the king of kings. He's the lord of who? Lords. He's not talking about the natural kings, the king of Oshodi or the king of somewhere. He's talking about spiritual kings. Praise the Lord. Now, 1 Peter 2.9 says that you know, very, very clearly, First Peter 2.9 says that, And ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He says you are a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I like the way the Amplified puts it. He says that you should display the virtues and the perfections of him who has called you into his marvelous light. Something happened to us. Now, it is a different ballgame if we are aware of what happened to us. You know, the Bible says in Osir, chapter 4, verse 6, it says that my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. And the knowledge he's talking about there is the knowledge of awareness. 
being aware of what happened to you at the new birth. There is this very interesting story I read in one of the books written by the late Dr. Miles Monroe of Blessed Memories. The, the, book, the story talks about a lion and a sheep. So there was this particular farmer who had and um, was rearing this sheep. He had lots of them. And one day, while he went feeding the sheep, he heard a noise in the bush. So the farmer approached the bush and discovered a lion cub. Of course, he had to scout around and be sure that there was no lion around. The mother lion wasn't around, the lioness. But after a while, he discovered that this lion cub had been left alone and there was nobody coming for this lion cub. So the farmer took this lion cub to his farm, started to feed this lion cub milk, started to feed this lion cub grass. So the lion cub grew up with the sheep and started to behave like sheep. One day, the lion cub went to drink water alongside the other sheep. And as they were drinking water, a lion sprang out of the forest. And all of them began to run, of course, including this lion cub, well, who had matured at this time, had become an adolescent lion, took off too. Because to him, or to it, that was a threat. So the lion took off with the sheep, and they ran into the farm. Of course, the lion that sprang out of the forest had caught one of the lambs and killed it and was having a good time. So then after some few weeks, they all went again to drink water. When this lion, you know, approached the water, he looked in the water and for the first time noticed that the reflection he saw in the water was exactly the same beast that had attacked them some few weeks ago. And the lion took off and was running, but discovered that he was the only one running. All the sheep were just having a good time drinking water. So he began to wander. So he moved close to the water again, looked in it, and was about to take off. But he discovered... I mean, every other person was cool, calm, and collected except it. So he looked in the reflection closely and said, wait, I look like that thing that came out some days ago. But, well, he decided to let it go. One, two days after that, the lion came out. They were drinking water again. This lion, the beast, came out from the forest again and wanted to have a good meal. Of course, the sheep ran, but the lion decided to stay. Because, you know, it was running from two things now. The reflection in the water and the real <laughs> before it. And for the first time, he looked at that lion. The lion came close to him and roared. And he tried to roar. And of course, what was coming out sounded like sheep. <laughs> it had been brought up with sheep. So it was behaving like sheep. It was thinking like sheep. And the lion roared again. As though telling him, Oga there is a lot more in you. You are not sheep. You are part of us. And, you know, he tried. After several tries, for the first time, he discovered that he roared and he sounded like the beast that was chasing all the other people. And then the lion that came out from the forest said, good, good, let's go. And they walked into the forest. Now, lots of believers are like that. God has made us kings. God has made us priests. And lots of other things God has made us. But we are not aware. So we are living life the way every other human being on the face of the earth is living life. 
But what I want us to note this morning is that in Revelation 5.10, the Bible says the reason why we've been made kings and priests is for us to do what? Reign on earth. What does it mean? Or what do we mean when the Bible says reign? To reign is akin to having dominion on earth. Having dominion. Now, in the book of Proverbs chapter 8. Can we go there? Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. We begin to read some powerful words from Solomon. Proverbs chapter 8 and from the 12th verse. He says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth a voice? Proverbs 8 from verses 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride and arrogance and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Verse, good. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Verse 15. I want us to read this verse together. I want to let go. By me, kings reign and princes decree justice. Meaning that it takes wisdom for kings to reign. Any king that has power but does not have wisdom, that king's reign is short-termed. It takes wisdom for kings to reign. If we've been made kings and priests, then it takes wisdom for us to reign on the earth. It will take wisdom. So what exactly is wisdom? You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 4-7, wisdom is the what? Principal thing. He says, with all thy getting, with everything you've got, he says, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. You know, when you read Proverbs chapter 8 further, the Bible tells us that the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his ways. That even God operated wisdom for us to experience the kind of earth and the heaven that we have. So, what is wisdom? I always like the Bible to define itself. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 10, verse 15. Talking about describing a set of people. He says, the labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them. Why? He says, for he knoweth not how to go to what? The city. He knoweth not how. He knoweth not how. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the know-how of how to accomplish your goals in life and how to tackle situations that approach you in life. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the know-how. Is knowing what to do at every point in time. You know, in John chapter 6, verse 6, the Bible tells us something Jesus said, but to give a background, you know, the multitude came to Jesus, and Jesus looked at Philip and asked Philip, he said, what, where shall we get food to feed these people? And the Bible tells us in John 6 is that this he asked for he himself knew what to do. He was not asking because he was clueless. He was asking just to ask, to get them to start to think. And the Bible explains to us they brought five loaves and two fishes to Jesus. And Jesus took five loaves and two fishes and fed a multitude. The Bible says 5,000 men. Besides women and children. You see, when wisdom is operating, nothing is too small. When wisdom is operating, small can become big. When wisdom is operating, 
the impossible can be done with the available. You see, wisdom is the know-how of how to accomplish your desires, your goals in life, and how to tackle the situations that face you in life. That is wisdom. That is wisdom. Knowing how. You see, there are lots of people experiencing frustration because they do not know how. This is always going to be the difference between the children of God that are operating in wisdom and the people operating in foolishness. Now, it's important I also mention to you in 1 Corinthians 2, from verse 5 to 7, it distinguishes, telling us that there is such a thing called the wisdom of men, and then there is the wisdom of God. I am not talking about the wisdom of men. The kind of wisdom I'm talking about is not the wisdom you can read and get from any university. All of that wisdom has its place, all right? It has its place. But the kind of wisdom I'm talking about this morning is not the kind of wisdom that you can get in any school, regardless of the erudition, regardless of the skill and prowess of the professors. That is not the kind of wisdom I'm talking about this morning. You know, the Bible explains to us in Job chapter 28, starts to talk, and he says this kind of wisdom, he says, it's the, the, he says the vultures do not even know the path thereof. Describing this kind of wisdom in Job chapter 28, he says, the, the vultures do not know the path thereof. From verse 7, explaining to us that this kind of wisdom, that, you see, human beings cannot figure it out mentally. He says, the path which no fowl knoweth, which the vultures eye hath not seen. The lion's whelps have not trodden it, nor the fierce lion passed by it. He says, he put it for his hand upon the rock, he overturned the mountains by the roots. He cut out rivers among the rocks. He's describing this wisdom to us. And his eyes see it every precious thing. He says he binded the floods from overflowing. And the thing that is hid bringeth he forth to light. This wisdom, nothing is hid. Somebody can act in a particular way and the person is acting all nice. But this kind of wisdom can decode that there is something wrong. He says, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Where is the place of this kind of wisdom? He says, mad knoweth not the price thereof. Neither is it found in the land of the living. So he's not talking about wisdom that can be found through common sense. He's talking about a higher kind of wisdom. He says, the depth said, it is not in me. The sea said, it is not with me. It is not by scientific explanations and scientific description that you can get this kind of wisdom. He says it cannot be gotten for gold. <laughs> Neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. He says it cannot be valued with the gold of offering, with the precious onyx or the sapphire. You cannot pay for this kind of wisdom. <laughs> he says the gold and the crystal cannot equal it. And the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of pearls, for the price of wisdom is far above rubies. That's the kind of wisdom we're talking about here. He says, the topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it, neither shall it be valued with pure gold. He says, where's then cometh wisdom? <laughs> and where is the place of understanding? Seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living. And kept close from the fowls of air. Destruction and death said, We have heard the fame thereof with our ears. God understanded the ways thereof, 
and he knoweth the place thereof. The wisdom we are talking about is the wisdom that comes from God and God alone. And this is the wisdom that gives us an advantage as believers. You see, the world system do not understand this kind of wisdom. He says, for I look at the ends of the earth and see it under the whole heaven. This wisdom comes from God. Comes from God. God is the source of the kind of wisdom I'm talking about. So when I talk about the know-how of how to accomplish your goals, I'm not talking about what you read in books. I am talking about the wisdom that comes from God. Now, two ways this wisdom comes to us from God. Number one, through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11 verse 2, talking about the Holy Spirit, calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of wisdom. You know, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, the Bible says, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and what? Sound mind. That is also wisdom. God has not given us the spirit of fear. So when we have the Holy Spirit, you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes to reside on your inside. I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. And that spirit of wisdom is residing on your inside. He's residing on your inside. The Bible says that he's been made unto us. Christ has made unto us what? Wisdom. The Holy Spirit is on our inside, not for fun but it's on our inside to guide and to lead us. Now, I want you to get the message of last week's second service. I spoke extensively about how the Holy Spirit leads. But in, in summary, just very briefly, I mentioned four ways. Number one, I said that the Holy Spirit leads us through what we call the inward witness. All right? What we call a knowing, a perception. You know, things might look right, but you just have a knowing that things are not actually right. All right? So the Holy Spirit leads us through inward witness. If salvation, which is the most important miracle on the face of the earth, the way the Holy Spirit lets us know we are born again is through the inward witness, then it's a serious matter. And I must assure you, and I can assure you, really, a lot of times, about 90, 95% of the times, this is how the Holy Spirit will lead us. You know, sometimes we hear people say, something told me. <laughs> it's not something. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So, through the inward witness. Number two, through what we call the still small voice. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, the Bible says that, And you shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk in it. Yes, does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Yes, he does speak to us. Sometimes it might be an inward witness. Sometimes you might even actually hear him talk to you. You might hear him talk to you. Number three, through the authoritative voice of the Spirit. Now, the authoritative voice of the Spirit, trust me, in my lifetime, it has, I've only experienced it once. Once. You, and, I mean, the Holy Spirit speaks very authoritatively. As a matter of fact, other people might hear him. Now, in the book of Acts chapter 9, when Paul was going to Damascus and God arrested him, the Bible explains to us, and after God spoke to him, that all the other people heard the voice, right? So that's the authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit. But number four, the Holy Spirit also speaks to us through what I call inspired thoughts. Inspired thoughts. You know, sometimes people underestimate the power of thoughts. Do you know that the First World War was fought because somebody had a thought? Let me explain to you. 
Certain governments gathered and felt that they needed to take care of the Prime Minister of Austria at that time, who was also the heir to the throne of Austria. Now, they sent assassins from Serbia, three assassins. They tried everything they could to assassinate this man, but they could not. So the three assassins gave up. They got into a car, just picked the cab on the road, got into the car, and told the cab driver, you know, just take us out of town. And out of town was supposed to be the going toward the left. But the driver, for no reason, the driver, you know, after everything happened, the driver said he did not know why. The thought just occurred to him <laughs> to go right. And they went right, and they stopped at a filling station, and when the, the, the guys, the assassins, got into, you know, the, um, what called it now, a shop, they saw the prime minister they were looking for, <laughs> and his wife, his pregnant wife. They said, ah, this is the guy we've been looking for all along, and they shot him, and they killed him. And they got into the car, and they left. The driver of that cab, with him, he said, because after the First World War, about 17 million people died. The driver says he does not know why he went right instead of going left. The same way the devil can sow a thought in someone's mind and get the person to act wrongly, God also sows thoughts by the Spirit into your mind and gets you to act in a particular way. You know, the Bible says he's the one who walks in us, but to what? To will and to do. Praise the Lord. All right. So the Holy Spirit has been given to us by God so that we can experience the wisdom of God. And that is very, very instructive. I remember sometime, the last year, at the beginning of the year, while praying, myself and my wife were praying and asking God, okay, so this year, what, what, what is your word? And, and it was amazing. God just gave us a very, very simple instruction. He said, ensure that every service you go for you give this particular offering and you ensure that, when, when, I mean, even if you came to that service, you appeared mistakenly in the service and you don't have that amount with you. That plan for it. The next time you'll be in the service, take that amount and say, God, I'm giving for that last service and this service. Give this particular amount every service. It was an instruction from God. Somebody else will give offering normally and, and God will bless them for it. But this was different. And trust me, we've seen some multiplications in our finances that we cannot understand. Some multiplications. Because instructions from God are the way to our high places. Isaiah 48 verse 17 says that the whole is God, the Lord, teaches us to what? Profit. So if you are in business, the Holy Spirit can actually teach you and show you how to go about your business to experience profit. Every other person is going in a particular direction. The Holy Spirit will show you how to experience profit. The second way, and I'm going to dwell on this, the second way that we are going to experience and walk in wisdom is through the word of God. It's powerful, trust me. Because God's word is God's wisdom. Have you heard me? God's word is what? God's word is what? God's wisdom. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, the Bible says that, And from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which is able to do what? Make thee wise unto salvation. 
God's word is God's wisdom. The more we interact with God's word, either by studying it or by meditating on it, our wisdom grows. God's word is God's wisdom. God's word is God's wisdom. I feel for believers who are far from the word of God. God's word is God's wisdom. How do you know whether what the spirit said you should do is correct or if it is the spirit or it is just your mind talking? Is it in alignment with the word? If it is not in alignment with the word, then it is not God. Because God's word is God's wisdom. It is the umpire. It is the check that lets you know whether you're on the right track or not. God's word is God's wisdom. Now, I want us to read something in Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 verse 28. I want to read that portion into chapter 3. Romans chapter chapter 2 rather, verse 28. Now, the Bible says, for he is not a Jew... And before I read this, I must just give you context. So Paul was writing this letter to the Romans. The Romans were not Jews, okay? And the Romans felt that they were what you would call Gentiles, just like every one of us, physically speaking. And Paul was trying to help them to understand that when you get into Christ Jesus, you, are, you might not be a physical, natural Jew, but you are a spiritual Jew. So you can boldly say, that Abraham is your father. You can actually access everything that God had promised the Jews. All right? Now, so with that in mind, verse 28, it says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. Verse 29. But he is a Jew, which is one what? Inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of man, but of what? Chapter 3. Now, having established that we are spiritual Jews, chapter verse 1 or chapter 3 starts. He says, what advantage then at the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Can you read verse 2 together? 1, 2, let's go. Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were what? The oracles of God. Some version says the word of God. He says, what advantage has the Jew? The advantage we have is the word of God. That is our advantage over the circumstances and the situations of life. What advantage had the Jew? So if you are far from the word, you are in trouble. You know, study the Bible. You discover that every man that was acclaimed to be a man of wisdom was a man of the word. In the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible describing Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he says that, and God gave them knowledge, skill. He says God gave them wisdom, right? Describing that. But read chapter 9, verse 2. Daniel said, and I, Daniel, understood by what? By books. He was a studious fellow. The word of God was not far away from Daniel. Look at Joshua. Joshua, Deuteronomy 34. Verse 9, Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, a very popular scripture. The Bible says, and Joshua was full of wisdom. Why? Because Moses had laid his hands on him. So he had the spirit of wisdom. But read Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. God now was now talking to Joshua and said, listen. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. 
But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. He says, for that is the way you would prosper, and you would have what? Good success. Meaning, do not be far away from the word. Look at David. In Psalms 109, rather, 109, from verses 97. Psalms 109 from verses 97. David was speaking. He says, oh, how I love thy law. He says, they are my meditation all day long. He says, through thy commandments, you've made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. He says, I have understanding than my teachers. He says, oh, how I love thy law. How I love thy word. They are my meditations all day long. Now, that was David. Now, I want to show you the expression of wisdom in the life of David. And you must understand, it was David that taught Solomon to ask God for wisdom. If you open 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. 1 Samuel 18, verse 5, that they were now describing. This is David speaking. I love thy Lord. It is my meditation all day long. He was meditating consistently on the word. Now, if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 18, you begin to read them describe David. 1 Samuel 18, verse 5. The Bible says, And David went out whithsoever, whithsoever Saul sent him, and behaved how? Himself wisely. So he functioned wisely because the word of God was his meditation. Now, if you go to verses 15. Verse 15, right? Now, read verse 15. He says, Wherefore, wherefore when Saul saw that he behaved himself how? Very wisely. A progression. Because we can actually grow in wisdom. As we interact with God's word, we grow in wisdom. Now read verse 30. Verse 30. Verse 30 describing and says, same chapter, verse 30. It says, then the priests of the Philistines went forth. And it came to pass, after they went forth, that David behaved himself how? So you saw he behaved himself wisely. He behaved himself very wisely. Then he behaved himself how? More wisely. He was growing in wisdom. You know, God, speaking about Jesus, Luke 5, um, 52, the Bible says that, and Jesus grew how? In wisdom and in stature, and in favor with men and with God. He grew. So we can grow in wisdom. Why? Because, you see, God's word is God's wisdom. God's word is God's wisdom. As we interact with God's word, we begin to adopt the thoughts of God. Our mindset changes. And you must understand that we live life from our mindsets. We live life from the way we think. Our mindset about things will change. You see, when a person is not conversant with what the word of God is saying, they live life based on what other people are saying. You see, forget about these guys shouting and talking about tithes. They do not understand. It is a wisdom prerequisite in God's word. Prosperity. You see, when you are akin and attuned with God's word, you start to behave very differently. You start to behave like God. Because if you can think like God, you will behave like God. And as we interact with God's word, we begin to act and do things and make decisions that are aligned with God's will and how God would have done it. You see, God's word is God's wisdom. You cannot be far away from the word of God. You cannot. You absolutely cannot. 
If you want to have a successful marriage, what is the word of God saying? The word of God says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Meaning, prioritize your wife more than you prioritize yourself. Let selfishness die. That's what he's saying. You see, we're not talking about titanic kind of love here. We're talking about scriptural kind of love. He says, husbands, love. That is the wisdom of God about marriage. He says, and wives, submit to your husband. It is not open to debate. It is the wisdom of God about marriage. If you follow it, you would experience results. That is the wisdom of God. It is not a suggestion. It is the wisdom of God. He says, seest thou a man diligent in his business. He shall stand before kings. He will not stand before mean men. Diligence is a wisdom prerequisites in God in to experience victory and success in life. It is not a suggestion. If you are lazy, you are not acting in accordance with the word and you are not acting in wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. With all thy getting, get wisdom. Get wisdom. He says, thou shalt serve the Lord thy God. He says, it shall take away sickness from you. Service is not a suggestion. You see, when we are begging people to join service units, listen, we are being nice, you know. We are being nice, we are begging you. But the truth of the matter is that service is a wisdom that God has instituted to experience certain kinds of victory. Certain kinds of victory can only come by following the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is the way to fly high in life. The wisdom of God is the way to fly high in life. Deuteronomy 28, and I close. Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. This is God speaking. And he says very, very clearly, so that nobody misunderstands him. Okay, thank you. It says, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I commanded this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high. How? Is this not what reigning looks like? He says, he will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. Verse 2, he says, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. He says, blessed shall thou be in the city, and power to prosper shall thou be in the field. He says, blessed shall, you be, shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind. Everything you have will be blessed. Do you understand? He says, blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Everything you have will be blessed. Empowered to prosper. He says, blessed shall thou be when thou comest in. Blessed shall thou be when thou goest out. Can we go to verse 13? He says, verse 13. Verse 13 says, he says, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. He says, and thou shalt be above how? Only. And thou shalt not be beneath. If thou shalt hearken to the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I commanded this day to observe and to do them. There's a verse that says, and you shall learn to nations. He says, you shall learn to nations. Listen to me. By following the wisdom of God, we experience results more than the world has ever seen. You know, pastor was sharing with us some months back, and you should get the messages if you've not about how we'd have dominion over different mountains, the media, education, religion, arts and entertainment. Friends, I've come to show you another way. 
You see, this is how we would have an experienced dominion. The kind of result that God wants to produce through the church is not the kind of results that the world has ever seen. I want you to understand that if you have seen it, then God can do better. Because the best of God is never in the past. Those were the first words I heard Pastor Shola say when I met him for the very first time in my life. He says the best of God are never in the past. And I agree absolutely. God is a God of progress. God talks about things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, minds have not conceived. He says those are the things that we have access to by the spirit that God has given us. Friends, I want to let you know that this end time was designed for us to shine. Because the Bible says wisdom maketh the face of a man to shine. You cannot ignore God's word. You cannot ignore fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. If you align yourselves with these things, you would experience so much results than human mind can comprehend. While people are fighting and talking about giving God 10%, my declaration for years is that I tighten billions. That's the way what I've been saying for years. So when it happens, don't be surprised. I'm not bothered by what people are saying. I have a direction. I've set my gaze. There is a particular direction I want to go in life. That direction is up and upward only. You see, because I understand that it is the wisdom of God that it will take to produce the kinds of results that the world is yet to see. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to say out very loudly, I am wise. Say out very loudly, I am wise. Say out very loudly, I function in wisdom. Say very loudly, I am not confused. I know what to do at every point in time. I am full of wisdom. 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 By the power of the Holy Ghost, I am full of wisdom. I am full of wisdom. I function wisely. I know what to do at every point in time. I am married to the word of God. The word of God is my meditation. I love the word. I meditate on the word. I'm wise. I'm wise. I'm wise. Can you jump up on your feet this morning? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want you to just pray very, very briefly. Father, in the name of Jesus, give me a hunger for your word that only you can satisfy. Father, give me a hunger for your word that only you can satisfy. Give me a hunger for your word that only you can satisfy. Give me a hunger for your word. <laughs> See, you're praying gently. This is one of the most important prayers any human being can pray. Especially if you are a believer. Consistency in the word. Give me a hunger for your word. That only you can satisfy. I love your word. Your word is my meditation. Your word is my meditation. I hear very loudly in my spirit that 
a lot of people do not walk in wisdom because they do not know how to be quiet. They do not know how to be quiet. So they don't walk in wisdom. And in this age where phone is a distraction now, some people cannot leave their phone for two minutes. The phone is controlling them. They are led by the phone, not by God. The Bible says, In quietness and confidence shall your strength be. Learn quietness. I don't, I don't have the time to preach a message about it, but learn quietness. I hear very strongly in my spirit that God is saying a lot to people, but they are too busy on the outside. They can't hear him. Too distracted. Every man of wisdom was a man of quietness. Learn quietness. Learn to put your phone away for two hours. Don't look at it. Don't check the phone. You are not praying. Sit down and just be quiet. You'll be amazed at the things that the Spirit of God will bring to your attention. Thank you for listening to the teaching. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Towing Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m. While our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.